Hey, Action Alerts Plus subscribers and AAP podcast listeners, Chris Versace here. And with the growing interest in storage needs and the expanding EV market driving demand for batteries, we spoke with geologist Phil Thomas at Recharge Resources. Now, we chat with Phil on the various end markets that consume lithium, including, of course, EVs, but also ceramics and others. But he shares that Recharge is preparing its minds for the expected ramp in global EV demand. No surprise, the why behind that is the expected mismatch between lithium demand and supply. Now, during our conversation, Phil shares the intricacies of lithium mining and why Recharge opted for the locations it has. We also discussed the steps ahead for Recharge, which is a pre-revenue company, a factor that will keep us here at AAP on the sidelines. Even so, like other conversations that we've shared, there is still much to learn. So please enjoy my conversation with Phil Thomas from Recharge Resources. You know, one of the interesting things to me is the continued explosion in data points supporting the evolution of the EV industry, everything from uh, what we're seeing unfold in passenger cars, commercial vehicles, buses, recreational vehicles, even ag equipment and construction equipment. But for all these EVs to work, they, have cost, they of course have to have batteries that is expected to drive the global battery market from around 11.3 billion in 2019 to upwards of 20.5 billion by 2027. Now, we wanna hear a lot more about this and I'm happy to have on the folks from Recharge Resources um, and especially with geologist Phil Thomas joining me to discuss not only this opportunity, but how Recharge is addressing the eventual pain point of all of these vehicles driving towards batteries, but the continued need for battery materials and battery production. Phil, thank you for joining me. Chris, uh, great to be on the show. Now, Phil, let me, let me just you know begin by saying you know we we kind of talk about the EV space really on on the passenger car side and, and other vehicles, but you are actually on the ground in the field dealing with the projects that actually pull out the lithium and other materials that are needed to build the batteries that go into these, you know, growing array of vehicles, correct? Absolutely. And um, the key driver is the number of gigafactories producing those um, those batteries and the types of battery technology. Uh, I think at last count, there was something like 216 gigafactories uh, 216 gigabattery factories um, starting up or, or in operation, and we're getting close to a terawatt or a terawatt of um, of power generation measured by batteries. So, in in the scheme of things, um, while I guess electric vehicles aren't uh, a dominant uh, amount of uh, sales, they're they're very very quickly getting there. You know, with 14, 15 percent uh, year on year growth rates accelerating um, over the next uh, three or four or five years. But uh, production uh, of lithium obviously is the key to that growth. Agreed, agreed. Now, you know, you had mentioned, you know, we, we most people tend to focus in on the EV transition, right, for those vehicles that I mentioned. But you, you just pointed out that, you know, the lithium market has been serving the battery market for some time. What are some of those applications that are just, you know, continuing to be? I know, for example, um, I have a uh, battery powered, you know, screw gun. There are people who have other tools, 
other than tools, are there other markets that we should just generally be aware of that continue to drive incremental demand? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, pharmacology is is a massive market um, in, in the sense that uh, lithium is used in a lot of specific medications, but it's also used as a, a binder for uh, a lot of medications that you actually um, aren't aware of. It's also used in the glass industry. So very virtually every skyscraper has uh, lithium in it to stop the expansion of the glass. Um, ceramics use it um, in fact, they're probably still the most prolific user of, uh, of lithium. Um, lithium grease is uh, produced from lithium chloride, and that market is just a massive market, and it's used primarily in bearings where you have heat, and of course the lithium doesn't expand. Um, plus, you've got new markets uh, through technology. Uh, for example, you've got trains now, um, uh, diesel electric trains being replaced with uh, lithium batteries. You've got Airplanes starting to, uh, to to come onto the fore, and you've got other major applications of energy. So, in Australia, we have a hundred gigawatt uh, storage farm. Um, so, storage is actually exceeding um, EVs for demand for lithium batteries. So, they're they're the markets that that are, are starting to grow or are growing at phenomenal uh, as the requirement for demand for lithium. The other interesting thing is that the LPF battery seems to be the one that's being favoured. It, it kind of came into favour and out. And um, we have uh, nickel-based um, batteries. We have mag magnesium-based batteries, manganese-based batteries technology. But the um, LPF, um, lithium hexafluorophosphate, uh, which is the next derivative from lithium carbonate, lithium chloride, is in favour. Okay. Now, just just before we we dig into a little more about what Recharge is doing, I'm just curious. You know, you said storage right now is greater than EVs. Based on you know what you see in the marketplace, when do you think EVs become greater than storage, or does it not? It it really is is a country by country option, um, and it's really reliant on the cost of your electricity and how aggressive your government is in terms of capturing carbon and reducing uh, carbon production. Um, so Norway or Scandinavian countries are at the forefront of um, storage demand. Um, Australia is trying to get there, but it's difficult um, with, with some of the applications. So, for example, um, copper cathode producers can't get enough um, amperage from uh, um, lithium batteries um, to drive the cathode producing uh, electro winning part of the operation. So that will always be diesel um, because that's the only way they can get the electricity. On the other side of the coin, um, you know, nearly all the vehicles they drive are EV. So um, it, it just depends on what the, the government policies are and what their availability of, uh, of electricity is and the cost, um, plus the, the policy making of, um, of uh, not having uh, coal fired power stations. Okay, so let's let's shift gears and start talking about recharge. So if we're just setting the stage, if we're seeing continued demand for, um, you know, batteries and storage, uh, re regardless of the end market, right, we know that we're going to have greater demand for batteries. That means we're going to have greater demand for the materials that go into batteries. And when we look at um, recharge, you guys have um, lithium, nickel, uh, gold, copper, and palladium. 
now uh, in terms of mines and mining operations that you're looking to bring on online to help bring incremental supply to these growing markets? Yes. Yeah, that's right. And um, there, there are, uh, as you said, a, a palladium uh, gold project, but um, we're really focused on the lithium project or uh, my my part of the, the company is involved in the just the lithium part of the project. Um, and they've got, a, I guess, a diversification of strategy at a, at a corporate level, which um, um, has a, yeah, some fairly major positives, uh, especially given golds over 2000 an ounce. Um, and lithium, uh, while it's had a fairly serious cutback um, to the 37, 38,000 mark, um, I think that that was just a reflection of oversupply, um, overstocking, um, and waiting for the the next gigafactory to to kick off to uh, resume demand. And um, I suspect the price will be back up um, close to where it was. Okay, so you're you're overseeing uh, the lithium production. Where where is recharge in that? Are you guys are you are you drilling? Are you preparing to you know excavate and pull out? Where where are you in the life cycle? Okay, so um, if I can just give you a little bit of history, in 2018, um, AIS Resources drilled two wells down to 400 meters, and got just phenomenal brine flow it, it actually didn't need a pump the the pressure from the um, aquifers uh, that, that were pushing the brines from the volcanics um, there's three volcanoes that sit around the the um, Salah and that's the major source um, the the actual hot fluids um, basically erode the the, the lithium rocks and um, the spodumene uh, is the name of the mineral it flows down through these aquifers over long periods of time. Because the surrounding mountains are at uh, four, five, six thousand meters, and uh, this is at three thousand six hundred and sixty meters, the head pressure of the of the aquifers is quite significant. But in this case, it was so significant that um, the brines just basically came out of uh, the, the the well at at hundred mile an hour, and we we basically couldn't. Uh, constrain it for quite a few hours because the volume of water, we did what they call a HQ hole and the volume of uh, brines coming out was significant. One of the one of the key issues was that we then um, put it all, AIS resources put another hole about 1.67 kilometres away and got the same result. So we knew within that block um, there's substantial uh, flow pressure and that's significant because you can process a lot of brine and I'm talking between 20 to 30 mega thousand megalitres a year um, to produce 10,000, 15,000 tonnes of lithium, even with fairly low or medium um, grades of uh, 150 to 180 BPM. Interestingly, in 2018, AIS resources walked away from the project because they couldn't manage the elevated magnesium levels. In 2020, along came Exalt, which manages these high um, magnesium levels or higher magnesium levels, and basically um, put on the green light for production to begin. So in 2022, um, another well was put down between those two wells, and of course, uh, predictably, they got the same result: huge <laughs> flow rates. Um, and uh, but interestingly, they actually got a higher. Um, significantly higher 
lithium grade. It, it at 169, and um, I think the average after two weeks was 161 ppm of lithium. So that means that there's a concentration in the in in the middle part of the of the aquifer in that location. So the next stage of exploration is to put another well in Positos 2, which they've optioned from Spay Resources, and then put in a third well, which will be um, a production well. So it'll be eight inches in diameter. But before those two wells go in, they, they need to do uh, a magneto telluric geophysics survey so they can better understand what the resistivity is. And obviously, we're looking for low resistivity because low, resi low resistivity connotates um, uh, presence of lithium, sodium, um, sorry, um, potassium, um, and to a lesser extent, sodium. So uh, in May, so, there's... So so Phil, Phil, let me let me let, let me ask you a question. So for 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 the layperson, right, who's who's, who's trying to understand this, it, it sounds as if that there's a little more work to be done, right? The, you, you have to yeah. have this survey. Yeah. These one or two other wells have to be drilled. You have, and then you can begin excavating. But as you look at this, based on your experience, what what what's the opportunity here ahead of, ahead of the company? Well, the opportunity, because the flow rate is so high um, and we are going to be bringing brines up from 400 metres, which is not unusual, um, the opportunity is to put a 20,000 tonne plant in. And if you use $40,000 a tonne and 20,000, um, you get pretty close to 800 million of revenue a year. And if it costs you, call it 100 million, you've got a $700 million um, operating profit coming into the company. Um, it's about probably a two or three year um, time frame from woe to go. And so the opportunity for the company is to change its market cap from where it is now. Um, if you look at uh, price earnings multiple of 10 times, um, 700 million turns into 7 billion. Right. So if you divide it by the number of shares, you can figure out what the share price is. It's 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 pretty heady. Understood. Understood. So what you're saying is once you have the survey in and then beginning, it's about a two to three year time frame. Correct. So that would put us out potentially, uh, you know, 2025, 2026, maybe slightly later. Right. Right around when we're seeing a lot of these other markets uh, really come on stream in a meaningful way. Exactly. Okay. Yes, exactly, Chris. And that, that's the point. I mean, if you were producing today, you might have uh, trouble getting, you know, 15,000 tonnes into the market. Um, and and the, the issue is that oversupply that I, I spoke about and, uh, and, and the stockpiling that's been going on pr primarily in China, which is the major um, engine for battery manufacture. Interesting with this project is that it only needs to drill probably three or four production wells and put the pipeline across. They've got the social survey uh, going at the moment. They've got the um, environmental survey going on at the moment. They've got a lot of activity going on parallel to this, what I call exploration um, process to uh, delimit a production facility. So the next big milestone will be the resource estimate and then the next milestone after that will be the proven and probable reserve estimate. And then 
The last one is the bankable feasibility study. And all those will happen very quickly um, because they already know what engineering process they're going to use. So from an investor point of view, they're the, they're the milestones um, to keep your eye on. And also um, they have an off taker already uh, signed up and ready to go. Um, and um, our technical team has been invited to China to to visit them and uh, find out a little bit about how they use lithium chloride, which will be the base product. They don't want lithium carbonate, which is very interesting. Hmm. Okay, and so you have these three milestones that you shared, and I, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Phil, but are, is it fair to think that those are 2023 or 2024 time horizons? Well, it's really interesting. The, the MT survey is going on in two weeks. The drilling is lined up. So we're hoping 2023 uh, we'll be able to produce those, those two major reports, the um, resource statement and the reserve statement. Okay. And, and given your history, you know, and, and going through these and assessing these projects and stuff, what, what are some of the issues that could crop up that might push out these timetables you're talking about? Um, the, the, the key issue that we're, we're dealing with is where the highest uh, flow rate is in the aquifer. And um, the Positos Salar is not like other Salars. It's got quite a different geology um, in that if you can think of a major spot, a big, big sponge, and um, water pressure pushing on one side of the sponge, the the brines are coming out and obviously hitting the the, the point of uh, lowest resistance and and shooting out of the well um, uh, with the great knots. If you have a look at their website, it's it's quite an exciting couple of videos they have up there. But um, the, the the there aren't too many issues that um, are going to impact it from the exploration point of view. It's really the environmental um, survey. Uh, the environmental issues that the government of Salta puts around the operation. And you've got to remember, there are literally Orocobre, Livent um, are the only two operating Salars at the moment. And LAC, Lithium America Corporation, is starting up shortly, but there's not a lot of go-to examples to, to utilise. So uh, from an environmental permitting point of view. So, you know, there's a bit of new ground to be broken in Argentina, um, but th th there aren't too many issues to stop production. I mean, technically speaking, we've already produced lithium chloride, um, so from the brines. Um, so we know the process works. Now, that's one of two mines that you have going, correct? Yes. And let's, so, yeah, so this... Well, Spay, um, Spay Resources option Positos 2. So we have Positos 1 that's owned by Recharge. Um, and then we have Positos 2, which we've optioned to drill. And they're right next door to each other. So it's a, it's a five kilometre block, five by two kilometre block of, uh, of, of, um, of land. But it's right on the Salar, which is fantastic. Now, is, is the timing similar with, with the first project where you're thinking, you know, all said and done, it comes on stream 2025, 2026, or is this, you know, a later stage once this other, once the first mine is up and running? I, I don't think we'll do two mines. All we'll do is put a couple of production wells down onto Positos 2, link them into the network and, um, and start pumping. Okay. Okay. All right.
Okay. And once you, and I apologize for this, but once you start pumping and you start pulling the lithium out, it, what other, is there other refining that needs to be done before you bring it to customers where they're in, you know, China, America, you know, where, what have you? Okay. So the, the, the process is a one stage direct lithium extraction process called EcoSol. And so the brines get mixed with uh, a, a combination of solvents. The solvents absorb the lithium. The lithium goes into the um, uh, into the actual solvent, and then it gets taken out and produced as lithium chloride. And that process is very quick. It's like uh, a couple of minutes. Once once that and and it's continuous, so it's constantly filling up and uh, and producing. Um, that lithium chloride solution is then crystallized and turned into lithium chloride crystals, which are soluble. The, then it can be used for a range of other products, and lithium carbonate is the most frequently used one. So um, it would be um, sodium carbonate would be added to it, and you would produce salt water and lithium carbonate. Um, one of the key things about the EcoSalt process is it hardly uses any water at all to the lithium chloride stage, and then uh, obviously, you've got to wash the sodium chloride out of the lithium carbonate. Lithium carbonate is insoluble, so the the process is uh, very much bucket chemistry. It's it's very easy to produce very very high quality lithium carbonate, and because the lithium chloride is coming out almost pure, um, the lithium carbonate that gets produced is almost pure. So um, you get 99.5% purity without much effort. And, and through this process, are there any environmental issues that you need to be careful about? Not really, because it's uh, <laughs> uh, there's sodium chloride on the surface and there's salt everywhere. So from a from um, protecting a pristine environment, there's not much pristine around. Um, from a pollution point of view, no. All you're doing is taking water out from one spot and putting it back into another spot. Um, and there's a lot of evaporation going on, so uh, uh, a fair proportion of it ends up in the sky. And um, uh, Recharge uh, are going to put together a um, desalination plant uh, driven by solar energy, so that will create fresh water for the plant and for the local uh, community. Um, so there's there's a couple of major benefits for the community as well. But um, no, there's there's virtually no pollution whatsoever. Excellent, excellent, and. You know, given your history and the other projects that you wor worked on, in, in terms of size, scale, scope, opportunity, how would you say this particular stuff, these these current projects with Recharge stack up? Um, well, they, they stack up exceptionally well because we've solved the, or, or we've got the flow rate um, advantage. We've got the chemistry advantage now. We've got um, pumping rates. Uh, we've got um, plenty of options to dispose of the brine because you've got to remember the brine comes into the system and, and goes out a couple of minutes later and all it's had is the lithium taken out of it. There's nothing else in it. It's exactly the same as it came in. All the solvents basically get collected, um, so which is another advantage of the process. Um, so it's just salt water coming in, salt water coming out, less lithium. So that, but you, you're pumping huge amounts of brine, like 50,000 megalitres. Um, so you've got to dispose of 50,000 megalitres a year. So there's a number of strategies um, being, or environmental strategies being articulated. 
and and uh, put together to put that brine back into the cellar in a way that it's not detrimental um, to to basically the the view, um, as well as um, you know creating major ponds and major lakes. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, it it sounds as if that. You know, as you laid out, there's several milestones that we can look forward to revisiting with recharge as it moves forward, um, both in terms of the three milestones that you talked about, but also moving closer towards production. And I'm hoping, Phil, that in the future, not only will you come back and give us an update, but will as will David Greenway, CEO of Recharge. Yeah, we'd we'd be I'd be delighted to do that. Um, I think the, there's some test work being done with EcoSolve at the moment, so. I think it's fairly imminent that um, they'll be testing some of the brines um, at the uh, University of Melbourne um, pilot plant facility, and uh, those results uh, should be out in the next couple of weeks um, on the the grade and the extraction percentage of uh, of lithium. Um, EcoSolve have got about 96% uh, recovery, which is phenomenal given that uh, most resin systems get 80, 80 to 85%. Um, you know, fractional crystallization gets as low as 40 or 50%. So getting up into the high 90s is, uh, is, is quite an achievement. Excellent, excellent. And before we wrap, Phil, is there any, any big picture item that we didn't talk about, whether it's regarding these particular lithium, lithium opportunities or recharge in general that we should discuss? I think Europe is moving at a very fast pace and uh, with regards to uh, gigafactory development. And uh, if you look at the world map, um, clearly Asia has is, is got plenty, but um, Europe's moving forward and not many people are focusing on uh, what's happening there. And you see you know, the BMWs and the VWs of this world um, joining up with uh, lithium producers, but you also see a lot of battery manufacturers, Panasonic, coming into solid state batteries, which are obviously using a lot more lithium um, in, in the process. So that there are some trends emerging, both geographical and from a technology point of view, that is really uh, solidifying lithium's position. So people talk about sodium batteries and um, you know, uh, zinc uh, oxide batteries and so forth. But I think it's, you know, the Kodak effect once, once you, start a worldwide manufacturing so we're possibly here to stay and i think that's a that's a trend to uh to to watch excellent well thank you phil i really appreciate you joining us i i know you're halfway around the world in australia i believe and the the connection was a little spotty at times but i really enjoyed the conversation super insightful and thank you so much for joining us thanks for having me chris